Greetings and welcome to Men of Sorrow's podcast. I am William Lloyd, a man of sorrow. Men of Sorrow's Finding Joy is a podcast that is geared towards helping men express their grief. Um, We talk about grief, we process grief, but we also talk about joy. And I'm very excited about today's podcast because I think it was one of the best podcasts. It's a little long, but in this podcast, you can see, actually see during the podcast, their transition from sorrow to joy and the joy that um, Greg Stutz and I and Dan Duddy um, shared at the end is exhilarating. Um, today's guest was is Greg Stutz. Greg Stutz is a, a, a teacher. He's an author. He was, has worked with campus ministry in Little Rock, Arkansas, in Razorback Stadium with all those Razorbacks. Uh, campus ministry for a long time. He does marriage counseling. Um, and like I said, he's an author. Today's book that we talk about a little bit is called The Christmas Eve Promise, A Story of Hope and Joy. And I'm going to put the links in the show notes. Um, I read it in, in one weekend. It's a, it's a good little novel um, to read this time of year. And we talk about that and we talk about um, the loss of Greg's grandson, Will, And then we bring on a special guest that you've heard before, Dan Duddy, who used to coach Greg in football. Greg and I kind of grew up together and went to different parts of the country, and but we've come back together through the glories of Facebook, and I saw him at a reunion a few years back, and we've always kind of kept in touch. So I hope you enjoy this podcast, and without further delay... Here is my conversation with Greg Stutz, and then Dan. Here we are. We're live. I'm here with, well, Greg wears many hats. I'm sure the one that he's most proud of is husband and father. Mm. He's author of books, and we're going to talk a little bit about his book, The Christmas Eve Promise. You know what I realized today, Greg, is you know we talked about it, and I just gave you days, Wednesday or Thursday. I didn't know dates or anything. And today's oh, yeah. the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How appropriate. Yeah. And your book is, yeah. you know, it's kind of a historical fiction yeah. part of it where it takes place around the, the attack on Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor is really the, uh, oh, you could call it the first plot point, you know, possibly, uh-huh. you know, in a in story structure. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So everything hinges on, on December yes. 7th, 1941. That ripple yeah. effect that changed hmm. everything. That's right. Yeah. Wow. How appropriate that we're talking today. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but we will yeah. talk a little bit about your book. Now, yeah, the sure other thing you. I noticed about your book before you introduce yourself was your guy in the book did the opposite of you. You went from New Jersey to Arkansas. He went from Arkansas to New Jersey. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, the, the other... Um, the other series that I've got, I was telling somebody just this week that a lot of the characters are me. I, uh-huh. I write, I, I write a lot of my either struggles or maybe a few of the victories that I've experienced. I write yeah. those into these characters. And uh, so, yeah, there's, you could probably come up with a pretty good psychological and spiritual profile of me by reading my books. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I thought of that. I, to, I I thought of your dad too. Was your dad a Navy guy? 
He was in the Navy. That's what yeah. I thought. From yeah. reading, I remember and, reading his obituary years ago. And, yeah. yeah. In fact, when my son was getting ready to graduate high school, uh, I guess about a, it was probably his junior year. I asked him one day, I said, so what do you want to do after school? And I, of course I meant college. Yes. And he said, I don't, I don't like school. I don't want to, I don't want to sit in an office. I want adventure. He said, I'm, I want to join the Navy. And I immediately said, okay, I can support that. Just tell me where's that coming from. And he said, well, we're a military family. Now, of course yeah. I was never in the military, but like you just said, my yeah. dad was in the Navy. Robin's brother is a, uh, I think he retired as a Lieutenant Colonel in the Louisiana National Guard. I've got two sons-in-law, one's in the Marines, one's in the Air Force. So yeah, it was almost inevitable that Rob would join the Navy. And of course he got out of the Navy after five years and joined the army. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, it's funny because just like you, I skipped the generation. I didn't, I didn't go in the military. Yeah. My dad was my dad, my grandfather, and then Liam went in. Yeah. Um, right. Court. So yeah. Greg, um, just introduce yourself to the, to the podcast yeah. audience. Um, I'm going to, I told a little bit about that. You know, we grew up together and played on the same team together and have a lot in yeah. common. Um, but go ahead and tell us, you know, as much as you yeah. want, a little biographical sketch. Yeah, I mean, like you said, grew up in Brick, New Jersey. What a great place to grow up that was. Um, yeah. You know, playing football. I usually tell people, you know, when you're talking about Brick, it was really known for two things, football and hockey. <laughs> and um, and then, of course, the beach. And yes. uh, just, it was, you know, it was just such a, a wonderful place to grow up. And um, so, yeah, I, uh, after high school, I uh, went to school at Cornell and uh, that's where I met Christ. And uh, soon, well, right before, right at the start of my senior year is when I met my wife. She was on staff with uh, what was called Campus Crusade for Christ at the time, but now called Crew. And uh, we started dating right around Thanksgiving, got engaged in February, and then we got married six days after I graduated in 1985. And I joined the same ministry, and uh, we stayed with the campus ministry for a few years, and then we moved to Little Rock in the late 80s to work with a ministry called Family Life. Mm -hmm. And that was marriage and parenting, and I had a number of different roles there over the years, and kind of left there and uh, for a while and we we ran a personal training studio for a while and you know fitness um, actually went back to family life at one point uh, which was you know that was a great experience been on staff with the church serve as a chaplain write books I do marriage coaching um, you know I I'm, I'm definitely a generalist and it 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 helps me to kind of have my think my hands in different things. But Robin and I have been married for 38, 38 and a half years now. Yeah. And uh, we, we've got four kids and uh, Rachel's the oldest 37 years old now. Uh, she's got two boys and her husband's a, a Marine recruiter out near Salt Lake city. And then, uh, our, our middle daughter, Erica, lives with us uh, with her eight-year-old. And uh, I know we'll talk about it here in a minute, but her younger son died earlier this year. And then um, 
Our youngest daughter, Amy, she's out in Tucson, married to an Air Force major. They've got two boys, uh, or uh, a boy and a girl. And then uh, our son, he's at uh, Fort Bragg, which is now Fort Liberty. Uh, he is actually, I write it in my journal every day. I think this is day. He's got nine, nine days left in a course called SUT, Small Unit Tactics. And he's training to be a, uh, a special forces combat medic. And he's real close to the end of all of his training, which I know he's excited about. Yeah, um, yeah. And he's, he's actually going to get married. I'll do their ceremony. What's today? The seventh. So uh, 15 days from now, two weeks from tomorrow, I'll marry he and his fiance. So yeah, um, that's exciting. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, I, I, Bill, I probably lump all of that marriage, family, work, ministry, life um, under the umbrella for me, just, I feel like my personal mission and it's, and I, and I word it very simply, almost awkwardly. I believe God and I help other people believe God. That's it. No matter what I'm doing, that's kind of my heartbeat. Yeah. I, I try to believe God, not my circumstances, not what I feel, not what I see happening in the world, not the negative voices in my head. Uh, I try to believe God and I want to help other people believe God, not just believe that he exists, but believe him that what he says is true and he can be trusted in everything that he says. Yeah. I I hear you on that because um, there's, there's, a lot of times, I mean, we God convinces us. The Holy Spirit convinces us that He's real, and God becomes very real in in our lives. And but learning to really trust God that that's yeah. that's a process that, I mean, I yeah, <clears throat> I remember, you know, I a bit of a control freak, you know, and and, and <laughs> I and it caused a lot of tension in the home and. I would have to go on these long walks and sort it out with the Lord. And the Lord asked me like point blank, put it on my heart. Do do you trust me with your Mm. daughters? Mm. And I said, and I thought about it. I said, you know what, Lord? No, I don't look at the stuff that you allow in this world. (laughs) You allow some pretty bad stuff to go down. And I had to be honest. And, but you know what? 10 years ago, I wouldn't have said that. I would have faked it. Oh yes, God. Cause I felt like he'd hit me with a lightning bolt, but God, knew that was in my heart already. He's drawing that out. And, you know, we might, you know, we may or may not talk about it, but it it took a deep, deep tragedy in my life to really say, Mm -hmm. you know what, it's some, and it's funny how something that might cause you to say, oh, I don't trust God because he let that happen turned out to be just the opposite for me. You know, I I totally know that God is good. And I, I trust him. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't sweat the small stuff anymore, but yeah. I, I trust God. There's this knowing, knowing that he's good and whatever, what, whatever he's allowing. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but um, it's like picture yourself in a dark room and there's a box of light in the middle, but it's shut. And the box opens for a couple seconds and shuts that's somehow that's the way the Holy Spirit sometimes reveals things to me. Mm-hmm. But when I go to explain it to somebody, I, I can't put it into right. words. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. it's a revelation. Yeah, that, because yeah that's I was that sitting there one day. Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, I was sitting there one day, and and a, that kind of flash came where I understood. Okay, I understand why God is allowing sin and death in the world. That this was His plan. From the, Ephesians says that it was from the before the foundation of the the earth that Christ was slain. Yeah. Right. So, and if and if it was His plan, then He knew. He knew the sin and death. He knew the cycle. But I, I got right. kind of a flash that, oh, yeah, it makes sense. He had to do it this way for eternity to be what it's going to be. And that, that's right. the best way I can explain it. But it was such a peaceful thing that came over me. But yeah. like I said, yeah, that you were talking about, I like that mission, believe God and help others believe God. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's... Um everything at sometimes is screaming against it. Like I said, circumstances or what yes. I'm feeling, or certainly I, I think it was, I think it was 2008 that I pretty much started a news fast where I just, I can't do that. I can't read it. I, now I do. I get exposed to stuff yeah. and I regret it usually, but <laughs> you know, in terms of like going to certain websites and just reading news and just staying informed about all that stuff, I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. it. It either makes me angry, anxious, uh, just worried, fearful. I just, I can't do it. And so I just said, you know what? I'm willing to risk being a little uninformed uh, if it helps me to maintain my peace. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, that you, know, you know, Dr. Um, Grace is actually, um, her campus pastor is <clears throat> Dr. John Roth. And um, my daughter Grace has done a couple podcasts with him, you know, about faith and and mm -hmm. you know just life. And he said that there's a woman. I, I he said there's a woman, and she uses the term um, conflict entrepreneurs. <laughs> that you know a lot of the news cycle is full of these con conflict entrepreneurs that cause all this conflict that want yeah. people to be disgruntled, that want people to be yep. discontent. Yep. And the thing that I realized, and you did it much sooner than I did. My wife was telling me to stop for years listening to the news. I would say, well, I do it as a hobby. Ever since college, I kind of watch pop, but it's, it's right. getting to the point where we as believers, our mission remains the same no matter what kind of government we have. That's right. Right. That's right. We could thrive. The church could thrive under socialism. The body of Christ can thrive under any government. Yep. Now, obviously, we love the republic. We love our, you know, that's right. The United States, we're a republic yep. in the way that it works. The government of the people and the freedom. But right. I used to freak out, like, shouldn't we be killing people? Shouldn't we be having a revolution like our forefathers right. did? You know, know. I mean, this is ridiculous. They, I know. The, the tyranny of our government now makes England look like fruitcakes. <laughs> I know, I know, so, and 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 it's like I and I'm I'm aware of it, and it, I guess it was about I don't know a month or so ago, and I finally just kind of said, Lord, you know, I live within a rigged system. Like mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that I see at a macro level in our world, whether it's government or media, education, all the you know some of that stuff. I, I can't control it. And I think a lot of it is the, the, the corruption 
is rampant, that, that there's a cancer through a lot of these institutions in our country. And I can't fix it. I can't do anything about it, but I can be faithful to that next thing in front of me. Right. And I can right. walk with the Lord today. I can trust him. And, and if he wants to sort out some of that bigger stuff, he can do that. But I, I would, it's not that I want to be naive or ignorant. It's just, uh, I value my peace of mind that is rightfully mine in Christ. Yeah. Uh, I value that above uh, knowing what's happening in Washington or wherever else in the world. Yeah. Well, you know, what was very interesting, and there's, there's two things. One is that, like I said, our, our mission remains the same. It doesn't matter what kind of government. But when Jesus came, the people were looking to Jesus do this. They want him to do the same thing we want him to do today to clean up the corruption. He left, right. he left the political structure exactly the same as when he came. He didn't, yeah. he didn't really deal with it. You know, yeah, he, he, exactly. he came, he came to defeat sin and death. He came to give us that victory and that the gospel would spread all over the world. So he, he didn't change it. So how are we going to change it? If he, that, yeah, great you know? point. Great point. And then, then the other thing, you know, that I, I thought of when I, you know, stopped watching, you know, everything, I thought, well, I said, you know, Lord, I said, you're going to you're going to have the final say in all things. Mm -hmm. and our job is, is really to love one another. But we got to really be careful. And I tell people this because the guy we have a small group that meets on Friday mornings, school teachers that, you know, know the Lord and we talk and the men talk. And yep. before I could stop myself, the guy asked the question, he goes, well, how are we going to take a stand against sin like Jesus did? How are we going to take a stand against these people? And before I could even, <laughs> before I could even, I said, well, maybe have them kill us without retaliation. Because <laughs> that's what Jesus wow. did. I said, maybe that's we're going to have to let them kill us without retaliation. I mean, that's what the Lord did. That's what exactly it blew me away did. when I said it. I was like, did I just say that? Well, that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that completely reframes everything at that yeah. point. Yeah. You know, I had, I had posted something on Facebook, I think it was this morning, just thinking about, again, the condition of the world and, you know, just all that we face, whether it's personal or, you know, a statewide thing or, you know, what we see happening in our, in our own government. But it, I'm, and especially at this time of year, I'm just reminded, you know, of what Isaiah wrote in chapter nine, you know, for to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, verse seven of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. Yeah. So yeah. his government, he wins. Yeah, he wins. Now I know darker times are probably coming, yeah. but we're on the winning team. Yeah, and ultimately that's what I care about, and bringing others onto that team. Uh, because, you know, I was thinking about it years ago. If it's not going to be important in five hundred years or a hundred years, should it be important to me now? Like, what will be important to me in a hundred years? Yeah. Well. Obviously, my relationship with the Lord, my relationship with people, 
that that's what's important to me now. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to get caught up in, you know, causes that are temporal. You know, I just, I, I more and more in probability, I know you can relate. I find no life in what I can bring about. I find no life. I don't, I have no interest in pursuing any goal or dream or desire that, that isn't of, isn't of the Lord. I just, I don't, there's no life in it. There's no fulfillment in it. Um, I want what he wants. And, and fortunately, you know, he, he calls us into a relationship uh, whereby we, we get to know him better. He rubs off on us. He lives his life through us. He puts his desires in our hearts. And then we partner with him. He's not calling us to that master-servant relationship where we show up every day salute and say, just tell me what to do and I'll yeah. do it. He yeah. doesn't want that kind of relationship. No. He wants, it's kind of, it's, it's incredible. He wants partners. He wants, he wants partnership with us to do yeah. what? To advance his kingdom, take back territory the enemy has taken. And what better way to do it, you know, than, than through those who are fallen and then redeemed. Yeah. 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 I want to pivot just a little bit. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, we're going to stay along the same theme because when, yeah. you know, we talk about the state of the world, okay, we can, we can turn away from that and look into the face and the glory of Christ and know that, okay, he has the final say he's going to allow what he allows. He's gave us really, he's simplified it. Love one another. This is how yep. men will know you're my disciples. Right. So like you said, when you lump family together, ministry, you know, I have uh, my get my grandson and spend time with him every Tuesday. So all of those things, the relationship with my wife being the, the, the key to, to keeping a strong mm-hmm. home here um, for our kids, even when they're out of the house, they still need that strong sense. Yeah. And so exactly. all of that with, with loving one another um, and the mission that we have to do that, and I, like I said, it remains the same. One of the things that um, you and I have in common is we've gone through, you know, a grief journey. There, there's mm-hmm. been loss and involving, in your case, a loss of a grandchild. But you're watching your daughter lose mm-hmm. a child, which is I, that's I, I would say that's doubly painful because you're watching your daughter go through it and you're going through it because I could see the love was genuine mm-hmm. between you and Will. But one of the things that irks me and I have to forgive sometimes on a daily basis is those clowns are all playing their political games. They have no idea the suffering that we go through, you know, yeah. and I really yeah. do believe the ultimate suffering is that grief. Um, when Liam died, this invisible world went up, this invisible wall went up between me and the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it was awful. It was, it was hell on earth. And for God to bring us out of that and give us light and love, you're much more fresh in it than mm-hmm. four years on the journey. But um, did did you begin writing this book be- before? Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. One of the things I noticed: there's a lot of unspoken grief throughout the whole book. Yeah. Right. You know, the grief is just kind of this blanket and. Um, the guy that came the closest, I mean, you talked about 
um, the Charlie's like inner workings and his thoughts. Right. But the the guy on the plane that was grumpy mm -hmm. and bitter, and right. he says to Charlie, "You have no idea what it's like." And Charlie's like, "Yes, I do." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I noticed that, and I didn't know whether Will's situation influenced that, or but I noticed that you were very did a very good job of capturing that. Hey, you're gonna you don't know what people are going through when you're walking past them, and like nobody right. knew what was going on inside of me. So, talk a little bit about the book and then that unspoken grief that kind of hung around the book. Yeah. You know, the book started, uh, I had a dream one night, I guess it was back in 2019. And all I saw, and it, it, it would, there was a couple, men and a woman walking away from me, and I knew their names were Thomas and Emily. That was it. Uh -huh. And I, I just thought, okay, I'll make up a story about them. And that turned into a, Christ a Christmas Eve promise, a story of hope and joy. And I, I guess I wrote it in 2019. Um, and it's interesting. One of the characters in the book is named Will, uh, my grandson who passed away this yeah. year. Um, and so I'm guessing I already knew his name was going to be Will. Eric had probably said, yeah, we're going to, you know, Will's, she was pregnant at the time and, um, you know, was going to name him Will. So, um, but yeah, you know, um, losing will and i know you losing liam uh it's this i called it a, a severe equipping that i didn't want mm -hmm. and um but i think you know bill years ago um probably 20 years ago or a little bit more if if i had seen somebody struggling and i don't know maybe i would have gone so far as to watch somebody struggling after, you know, the death of a loved one. My, my thoughts may have gone to, I wonder what they did to deserve that. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and then I started to struggle. I would say into my third, forties, thirties, forties, fifties. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, probably made some bad decisions in hindsight, but you know, one of the things I've realized, you know, in the moment, nobody ever tries to sabotage their own lives. Yeah. You know, you, right. you just do you, whether it's, you know, incurring debt or a relationship or leaving a job or taking a job, whatever it is, nobody's ever trying to intentionally torpedo themselves, but it ends up happening. And yeah. you go through these seasons of suffering and for some people, it could be financial, and other people, it's the breakup of a marriage. Um, and and for you know, you've experienced it now. I have. Um, it's so different than losing my dad and my mom. You know, yeah. it it's kind of the natural order of things when you lose a parent. Yeah. And and what I've experienced with losing Will is just um, it's not only I miss him. But I miss what will never be with him. Like I was, I was somewhere today, and they had a little, you know, angel tree type thing going on where you could pick something off the tree and buy for you know a kid and bring the presents back and all that. And I picked off one and I looked at it, and it was for a three-year-old boy. Well, Will would have been three and a half right now. 
and and I read through what this little boy wanted, like some. I think he needs clothes, but then also he's into Spider Man and and Bluey. I know Bluey's some cartoon character and uh-huh. something else. And I just thought that's what Will would be into right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, writing that into the story, um, it's just. It it just it's common it's common to us right we lose people yeah and um, you know I I think in in one sense I, a friend of mine my college roommate sent me something I think it was yesterday and it was a it was a clip about uh, the guy was an artist I don't think it necessarily had to do with writing but it's just that idea that when you're making meaningful art it's kind of like letting somebody read your diary. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're making art, whether it's you know I guess a painting or a sculpture or a book or a movie, uh, and you're doing it for commercial success, it probably ends up ringing a little hollow. Right. But but when you're writing or speaking or sharing from from a from a pain point, uh, it just it rings true. I mean, when I read a Christmas Eve promise, I get emotional. I mean, I wrote mm-hmm. the thing, and it's fiction. Yeah. yeah but it makes me emotional and yeah. I would rather be moved in that way than, you know, again. Yeah. It, so yeah. I don't know if that I, answers the question or not. No, no, you did. I, I definitely uh, teared up at different parts and, you know, I, for those that don't know, the, the, the book is called, and I'm going to put it in the show notes. People can link to it and go on Amazon. I would definitely recommend getting it, especially this time of year. I really enjoyed it. And like I did, I got choked up at a couple, a couple parts. Definitely, like I told you, I, I read it in one, you know, one weekend, really a day yeah. and a half. You know, I and fortunately, it. it ends well. Yeah, yeah. And there's a happy end. To, it's a, I would call it a surprise ending, but there is a happy yeah. ending. The re, the redemption story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it is the subtitle is a story of hope and joy, yeah. and um, I don't. I mean, think about it. Our 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 story in Christ ends well there is there yeah. is pain there is suffering and, and yeah. you know it, it's god's not afraid of that he's not he wasn't afraid to suffer himself yeah and so for a long time i thought well if he's a good father things ought to just go well right and that led me into i would say a good decade of bitterness where i yeah. never stopped believing this was years ago but i never stopped believing but i was angry at god and and it, the anger turned to bitterness because I thought, Lord, if you're so good, if you love me, why is why is everything not working? Why are things so hard? Why why am I suffering this way? Yeah, it's it's the way he works. Yeah, I me. Mean, I'm not going to pull any punches. He he uses pain and suffering to conform us to his image, to help uh-huh. us know him better, to learn yeah. to trust him, and ultimately to bear fruit. Yeah, and that's what he's after. Yeah, I, I think that um, you know part of part of living in this sin cursed body in this sin cursed world that's falling apart, we're going to suffer. Yeah, and no doubt. Know, my 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 pastor, senior our senior pastor John, he's philosophical in the sense that he says, "Listen, the only if God didn't want you to not suffer, and if He didn't want you to like not make mistakes." And he, right. he, would, he would kill you and take you home the minute you were born again. <laughs> he said, but you're left That's here right. with, with well, for one reason, to love others like Christ. And loving right. others like Christ is really what is spreading the kingdom 
That's right. I used to think witnessing and things like that was, but when we love other people like Christ, we're spreading, you know, we're spreading the kingdom. We're we're, yeah. we're living the kingdom life. And um, but he you says know, that when a- you're done, when your mission is done, that's when you're gonna go home. So if we're here that's and right. we're suffering, he says, even if you're suffering at the hands of a dumb mistake, you're still suffering for the sake of Christ because right. he's left you here. So that's that's yeah. you know that's one of the eternal views of suffering because what Paul talks about in Romans 8 is that you know the perseverance knowing the end at the beginning knowing that yeah. nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ right. Jesus that our present sufferings are not worth comparing the glory that will be revealed right. and yeah you know the the language i heard is so strong in the greek that it's like a feather on one of those balancing scales and an elephant on the other. There's just no, there's no yeah. comparison. Now, for those in the audience, now Will was was diagnosed with with cancer when he was how old? It, he if you was, don't want to talk about it, that's fine too. Oh no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, my dad died of leukemia in 2005, and then yeah. my wife had leukemia in 2018. And for, fortunately, she was cured. Um, Will uh, w- Will was born right at the beginning of COVID in April of 2020, uh-huh. and um, and he, you know, appeared to be you know a normal, healthy little boy. And when he was about, I would say, 15 months, um, we we were noticing that he was bruising pretty easily, like. You know, we have four kids, and we've seen other kids, and we have other grandchildren. And but Will was bruising really easily, and um, you know, later on we learned why. But he was about 19 months old. It was uh, my daughter had taken him. He had flu-like symptoms, uh, really, really, you know, sick. And my daughter had taken him in to uh, be seen, and the nurse practitioner said, "Look, if he gets one percent worse." take him to children's hospital, which is in the next town over. And uh, that was November 10th of 2021. The next day, uh, he was not any better, probably getting worse. So my daughter took him over to the ER at children's hospital. And uh, I guess it was late afternoon. I called her just to see how it was going. And she said, well, they're about to put us on a helicopter. Uh, and they med flighted him down to Little Rock, which has a, a more, I don't know, equipped children's hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, I think he was in the hospital about 10 days, maybe at that point. They did three bone marrow biopsies in just over a week, um, trying to figure out what was wrong. But it took him about four months to diagnose him. Uh, they had to consult with St. Jude Research Hospital over in, in Memphis. Uh, they were consulting, I think, with I think with hospitals probably around the country. They St. Jude finally took his case to a conference in March of 2022, and they came back and said it could be one of three things that he has, and they. They named the condition and they said, if this is what he has, it will turn into acute myeloid leukemia. And the next day, I think it was the last day of March, 
2022. He had labs and the results showed that he had acute myeloid leukemia and they admitted him to the hospital. I think the very next day did a round of chemo, sent him home for a bit. Um, but he was in and out of the hospital between April of 2022 and, uh, really February of this year, 2023, when he, when he eventually died. Uh, but he was in the hospital a lot, lots of chemo, lots of things. He had a bone marrow transplant. They said that was the only hope he had. The only hope of being cured was yeah. a bone marrow transplant. And so they finally got him into remission in July of 2022 after maybe, I don't know, four or five months of treatment. Um, got him in the remission. They did the bone marrow transplant. And it wasn't long after that, within a month, we knew something wasn't working because it showed that the donor cells, this is crazy, his, his bone marrow donor was, a, I think, a 28-year-old male from Germany. Hmm. And uh, his bone marrow in will, uh, the stem cells, began producing bone marrow and then producing good blood cells but Will's bone marrow never stopped working, which it was supposed to. I think the chemo was supposed to kill his own bone marrow, but it never, I don't really know what went wrong, but it, it never, the bone marrow transplant failed. And so yeah. from October of last year, October of 2022, through when he died in February, they were trying to get him back into remission which would mean there were no cancerous cells in his body. There were no cancerous cells in his uh, blood or spinal fluid. So they could do another bone marrow transplant. And he never, he eventually died of a massive infection um, because he had no immune system. He couldn't fight anything yeah. off. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty hard at the end, especially. Yeah. So where are you now? How are you dealing with your grief and, yeah, you know, when he first died back in February. Um, what was the course, date on that? February, February 13th, 13th, 2023. It yeah. was it was the day after the Super Bowl, of course, the day before Valentine's Day. And um, I, I held him for a while that morning. Um, a lot of the nurses on the oncology floor started to come in to say goodbye to him. Oh. And, you know, he, his body was really broken by this point. He didn't even really look like himself anymore. Uh, the nurses were emotional. I was emotional. And, um, you know, after he passed away, I, um, I really believed he was going to be healed. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I say I was about 80% confident and 20% hopeful. So 80% yeah. confident, 20% hopeful that he would be healed. And I was, I think within our family, uh, I was kind of leading the charge in believing, okay, I believe God's spoken to me. And here's what he said on this date. And on this date, I can point to you in, in my Bible. And, and I missed it. I was wrong. And uh, I asked Erica, I, I, I wanted to speak at his memorial service, which I don't know how many people were there, two, 250, maybe more. 
um, it was a pretty full room. I wanted to speak because I, I felt like I had a responsibility to, to talk to the people who had been believing and praying that he was going to be healed. What do we do now that we, that he wasn't healed? We believed he was going to be healed. There were Bill, probably literally, I'm going to say thousands of people praying and he didn't make it. And so now what do we do? And the two things that, that I, I knew I couldn't do and I wanted to kind of lead people in this was I could not take my disappointment and nurture it into an accusation against his goodness. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I knew I couldn't do was look at that disappointment of Will not being healed and then lower my expectations of God in the future. Like I'm, right. I'm not allowed. And here's the thing, more and more, the renewed mind that Paul talks about in Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind, by learning to think like Christ. I, I can't shrink back from praying for big things. I, the renewed mind is the mind of Christ. Jesus had no obstacles. There were no mountains he couldn't move. There, were, there was nobody he couldn't heal. And it doesn't matter if I experience more disappointment. I need to learn how to handle the disappointment, not pray small prayers that don't move anybody. Right. I, so, yeah. yeah, I just, I, early on after he died, I watched a lot of videos of him and, and that was hard. Um, and I, I haven't been doing that as much in the last few months just because it, uh, it just, it's too hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You might, you might come back to that. You're, I think I, I, I will. That. I looked at little home movies of Liam yep. and then yep. couldn't do it. And yeah. not, now I do. We have one of the favorites that I post all the time of him popping out of the box and surprising my mom. But I appreciate you sharing all that that, that yeah. journey. But and I know that you're fresh in it. Um, but I, I really did. Uh, like I said, I appreciated your book. And we talked a little bit. And Warren, Warren Wolf, um, kudos to him because he did a really good job of getting the Brick United community praying yes. for Yes. Absolutely, I am so grateful for that. And that keeping us updated on, yep. keeping us updated on his progress, and just the pictures—he's yes. adorable. But I do want to propose to you that maybe you didn't get it wrong because he's healed now. <laughs> More yeah, than that, know. that but is I know true. The healing that you were looking for on this side, right? Right. Um, yeah, and you know, you mentioned it earlier. You know, it's it's not only. You know what I, I what I was afraid of. There was a point. Um, I don't know. It, it, maybe it was around this time last year when they were trying to get Will back into remission. It was just one infection after another. It seemed like, and it, you know, I was. Somebody said to me, you know, what what if Will doesn't make it? And I said, I said, I can't go there. I, I felt like, and, and this is not, um, I don't, I don't pretend to know what it's like to have a baby. Okay. Let me just say that. But I felt like I was in spiritual labor. And when Robin, um, gave birth to our four children, it it was all natural. 
um, uh, no medication at all. So she felt everything. And the way she got through it, like probably a lot of women do, is she and I had taken the Lamaze breathing classes back in 1986, where we were locked eyes with each other. And when those contractions would come, we would sync up our breathing and be focused on each other. And, I, and when Will was sick, I felt like I was trying to keep my eyes locked on the Lord, sync up my breathing with him, because if I got distracted by anything, I was, I was not going to make it. Yeah. And, and it's still that way. It's, and so, you know, sometimes I'll come up with little phrases that help me like, Lord, eyes on you, eyes on you. Mm -hmm. I can't be distracted by things, eyes on you. Or, you know, a lot of times I, you know, I pray now, Lord, more of you at any cost, more. I need more at any cost. And um, it just, uh, for me, it's just that whole process of renewing my mind to, to become more like him. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a completely unimpressive person, but Jesus, um, I want, you know, in, in Judges 6, where it talks about the Holy Spirit coming on Gideon, that word coming on him, it's, it's the same as putting on a garment. Mm -hmm. I want the Holy Spirit to put on Greg Stutz and accomplish his purposes in the world. Um, I have no, like I said earlier, I just don't have any, I don't find any life, any fulfillment, any joy in, in what I can do. And, and when I, for a good part of this year, when I would feel that sadness, that's that profound sadness about will and, uh, but what it would, it was interesting. It would spur me to like deeper surrender. Like, Lord, I just have to have more of you. I have to be involved in your purposes. I, um, so yeah, I, it, it's been a really hard, hard few years uh, or a couple of years, but um, like, I just want more of the Lord at any cost. And um, there's really no price. And, and I, I wouldn't want somebody to be confused and think, oh, well, you've been praying. Cause I started praying that back in 2018, got more serious about it in 2020 yeah. Yeah. about, you know, Lord, more of you at any cost. I think it'd be easy for somebody to say, well, see that God took your grandson because you were praying at any cost. Yeah. That's not what a good father does. You know what a good father does? He looks down the road and says, oh, someday that kid's going to go to kindergarten. I got to get my son ready. And yeah. someday he's going to go to high school and he's going to learn to drive a car. I've got to get him ready. Yeah. God's so good. He just looks into our future and he sees, all right, he's going to lose a grandson. I need to get him ready for that now because exactly. he, he will not be able to handle it at his current level of maturity. And so he puts this desire in me right. to start praying for more of him at any cost. I, Greg, I, I agree with that 100% as you were talking. Um, I didn't know where you were going with it at first. I was like, yes, because the Holy Spirit is leading us in prayer. And yep. when we pray, and I, I prayed something, and, and I thought, you know, God, if, 
you're going to answer any prayer. Why'd you answer that one? But it wasn't like that. It was, I, I prayed. I remember I had coming back from the, the gym early in the morning and I would pray in the car. I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday at the light. I said, Lord, you know, and I think the more we grow in the grace and knowledge, we see how far we fall short of yeah. this Christ is. I yep. said, Lord, I see, I see where I am now. I, I want to join Pharisees Anonymous. <laughs> I, I, I see it and I know you and I know, like, I know what you can do. And I said, whatever it takes to get rid of this arrogance and this, yes. you know what I mean? Yep, I said, I whatever do. it takes, Lord, I don't care. And I was scared yep. when I prayed that. And yep. then I thought, no, whatever it is, God's going to do. But right. I wasn't giving him permission. He didn't answer that because I prayed it. He knew what was coming. And like you said, he was getting me prepared. That's right. He was really speaking to me. Prayer That's is right. a two-way street. Yeah. So I, that that is beautiful. And, and well, yeah, I hope back people in, see that, that God is talking to us all the time, even when we think right. we're talking to him or questioning him. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I um, you You mentioned Romans 8 earlier. Back in the spring, I think it was like right after the first of the year in 2016, I started reading Romans 8 every day, almost every day. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even the whole chapter, but I would read at least a portion of Romans 8, you know, almost every day. And it got into the spring, and it was a Monday morning, and uh, Robin said to me, um, you were talking in your sleep last night. And I, I was immediately nervous. And um, she said, I said, well, what, what, what did I say? She said, well, it was just one word. It was loud, it was clear, but it wasn't your voice. She said, you cried out, Abba. And of course, that's in Romans 8, where it yeah. says, yeah. Um, you know, our, our spirit testifies with his spirit that we're his children. Yeah. And we cry out, Abba, or Father, you know. And um, I, I had been going through, I, I was probably, if not depressed i was deeply discouraged in that season yeah uh, it felt like nothing was working and i was failing and i it's funny bill because i would i would i would say to robin sometimes you know i'm i would mentor you know a number of younger guys or you know at least informally be meeting with them and guys would reach out and want to meet with me and i'm thinking do they know that i don't know what i'm doing like why, <laughs> yeah. why, if they knew they wouldn't want to meet with me. Yeah. Uh, but when, when the spirit in me cried out, it was, I had so much hope after that day. And within about two to four weeks, several things happened that completely changed my circumstances, but it gave me so much hope when she told me that I had cried out Abba in my sleep because I felt like it was a, it was the Holy Spirit crying out to the Father. He's stuck. He's done. He doesn't know what to do. He needs help. And it was like Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father as well. Yeah. And, and he's saying, hey, I agree. I agree. Help him. He needs help. Yeah. Amen. Well, I brought on an old friend of yours, Greg, to surprise you a little bit. Hey. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Your old football coach, 
Wow. Now, Dan, you coached Greg, right? Yeah, I was the young punk, I think. Young punk. You were. Punk. You were pretty new. And I think uh, I think you were the coach of the sophomore team when I was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that new guy with the sophomores. Yeah, we had a, a, a full sophomore schedule. That, oh, yeah. Those were great days. You know, I used to love sophomore games Friday afternoons at 3.30, JV games Monday afternoons at 3.30. That's just yeah, like – Greg, when you, you played – you were number three, right? Yeah, yeah. You, played, you wound up varsity your senior year quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was not a good quarterback. Ah, you know, you, you, well, you talk about – well, you know, it's funny. What I was really good at was carrying out my fakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was I, I unfortunately I learned how to really throw a football in college. Of course I wasn't playing quarterback then. But um yeah, I I it you know you think back we've all got, you know, regrets, things you would have done differently. I wish I had gone to coach Wolf uh at the start of my senior year and said, "Hey, you know what? Jimmy Ryerson, he needs to start I just need to play defense, which I did after we lost to Jackson, which was our only loss of the year. That's when I finally said, okay, I, let me just play defense. And I think it was the next day or the next game, the Lakewood game, that I actually got the game ball on defense because that's really what I I probably should have been doing. But. Yeah. So, so, Dan, how are you doing? I know I'm you caught well. a lot of what Greg and I were talking about. And I, want, I just wanted to bring on, when's the last time you guys saw each other? Oh, it's been forever. It's uh, Greg. I'm sorry. I, can't, I think I might have bumped into you shopping shortly after graduation, and I don't recall seeing. Now what about Coach Wolf's 90th or whatever? Well, that's what I was going to wonder. Were you there at Coach Wolf's 90th birthday party in the, that the summer? The big bash out down at Windward Beach. Yeah, yes, uh-huh. I was there. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, if I maybe saw we both ran of you into guys each other. There. I remember talking yeah. to both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a very long time. It's good to see you. Greg. And and yeah, and Dan, you too. I I listened to uh, your podcast uh, with with Bill uh, just the other day, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, powerful, powerful. I mean, not only what you went through, obviously, with your son, but just the ministry you've had over the years, and it was cool listening to that story. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, to be on the air. I, I was anonymously on the air. Billy snuck me in for the last fifteen minutes, so I was. Uh, oh wow! I was a fly on the wall, <laughs> uh, an invisible fly on the wall. The last fifteen minutes, so you <laughs> you uh, you brought me into into the groove. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here with you. Uh, deeply, uh, deeply, and profoundly spiritual to us. The uh, a spiritual spiritual punch in the mouth that actually uh, puts us on our feet and makes us live somehow. And there's a yeah. paradox in that, but so yeah. many paradoxes live in our faith that keep, uh, keep our life. Uh, living isn't for sissies. Uh, my father-in-law used to tell me, but, yeah. uh, but it's, you know, it's really true. You know, the Christian life, you, you have to be, you have to think well, you have to like I shared Christ with a guy recently and uh, followed up with him oh, a week or two later and just to kind of see where he was at. And I wanted to kind of nudge him toward a decision. And uh, he eventually said to me, he said, uh, I need to think about it. He said, I'm not quite ready. It's a commitment. And I thought, OK, he understands. He's he understands. He's counting the cost. And that's what I shared with him, I, you know, that uh, you really do. 
I mean, there's nothing in my life that I've given up or had to say no to that I miss. I mean, I, I don't want anything to hinder my relationship with the Lord. I mean, but yeah, there's a cost. And, and think about it. If nothing else, when you say yes to Christ um, and, and you're all in, you invite the enemy's attacks. If you're just on the sideline, um, you're not you're not a target. You're not a threat. That's right. Exactly. You're not a threat. And the the greater the threat, the the more pleasing we are to to God the Father in heaven and to our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. I heard I heard someone say that you know if you if you really really want to come to know Christ, you better brace yourself because you got to look good on wood. You know, <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Be prepared to man up and carry the cross and also know yeah. that we are, we ourselves are perhaps our greatest cross, uh, which makes yeah. life, makes life very, very interesting to say the least. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Know, it does. Okay. I, I think, what, what, you know, when you look at Paul's, you know, when his struggles that he talks about in Romans seven, you know, we, our enemies are the flesh, the world, and the devil. The, the flesh, uh, psychologists call it the ego. You know, that that's, Paul calls mm -hmm. it sin living in us. That, that indwelling stuff that's still left over from the old man that's been crucified. Right. Paul calls it, that's our worst enemy, you know, because yeah. we often confuse it with that's our identity, that's who we are. But mm -hmm. Christ says that we are now being conformed to his image, you know, that he has put his spirit in us and he, and he's changing us from the inside out and, um, you know, looking good on wood, you know, right. Jesus. And I think that what your friend was recognizing too is, you know, how people like to claim the promises of God, right? I always said that there's one that people aren't jumping up and down saying, Oh, I claim that in Jesus name where he says in this world, you will have, you will have tribulation. Right. Yeah. And, but he follows that up by saying, take heart, I have overcome the world. But if we're going to be, the, the thing about suffering that I've really learned that he'll be, he'll be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. We don't mm -hmm. know why he allows evil, but I do know from experience that he will sit with you in the darkness as long as, you're going to stay there sitting in the darkness. He'll sit with you and he'll show you the way out. You know, he'll show mm -hmm. you the way out of, out of darkness and in, into the light. And you said something before, Dan, that kind of spurred a question in my mind. Do you feel like at one point after the, the loss, the terrible loss and that grief you were feeling that you had to make a decision to live because you said, what, what did you say? Your father-in-law, somebody said, you have to be brave to live or living isn't for sissies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's all different ways to retreat from the pain, numbing it, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever, anger, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but do you feel like, I feel like there was a time and it was kind of gradual, but I remember I finally said it out loud. Yes, Lord, I want to live. And yeah, so, yeah. you don't want to live you don't want to die when you have that kind of loss no you don't know how to live 
but I just I remember saying, I, I Lord, I, I I want to live. Yeah, Amen, Amen. Yeah, you know, I think our greatest spiritual revelations happen, you know, uh, at, at when we witness birth, witness life, or or and or when we witness death. You know, here we are, uh, you know, having this conversation while at the, at the exact same time I have a daughter who's uh, in labor right mm. now wow. in a hospital. Wow. So you see, you see, you see creation and then you see, you see the resurrection, you know, you see the creation and you see the promise of heaven all, you know, all at the same time. And that, that is, that's the crucifix. You know, here we are in Advent. We have the joy, we have the hope you know, that our Lord is coming. Whereas, you know, we have, we have Easter where, whereas our Lord walked on earth and then, you know, uh, by, by through the, the mysteries of the father, son, uh, and the Holy spirit is, is on the crucifix on his way to the resurrection. So we're, we're constantly living all of those things because we're created to do so. The, uh, this is greatest revelations I think are in birth and death. It's, it's in the middle that we screw up, right? <laughs> right. It's, yeah. uh, you know, we gain, we gain possession of things that really aren't, to, aren't really to be possessed. And, you know, Paul just says, we turn it over, turn it over resignation, resignation, resignation. What happened was I got, you know, really shot down when I lost my son to answer your question. And I found myself very, very angry, uh, with, with the Lord uh, on the day that my wife left to go get the, uh, you know, the suits and the dresses for his seven siblings. And I was mm -hmm. alone in the house and I really, really had an angry moment. And, uh, and really in my prideful mind, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's laughable, really let God have it, you know, let him have it. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's found, big enough to take it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And, uh, and I thought I was big enough to give it, but, uh, and I found myself <laughs> literally pushed into the couch, sat down and got into a quiet moment and, uh, silence is everything, right, man? Silence mm -hmm. is the greatest form of prayer and just, you know, the greatest form of, uh, the greatest prayer that you get in the silence is all good things come from God and we're not God, you know, whatever way we mm. can get humility, the, 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 the better. And, uh, you know, God said to me, Dan, he, he was my son. You know, and uh, mm. and you're my son. And then at that moment, my son Francis and I became brothers. We be, we became sons to God the Father in heaven. And mm. what a peaceful revelation that was. And what a wonderful, although it happened by way of a punch in the mouth, what a wonderful resignation happened because of that. And from that point forward, uh, you know, God pretty much said, so what are you going to do about this, Dan? And Took out a spirit of gratitude that he was ever in our life because we have nothing to do with the fact that we exist, and we have nothing to do with the fact that our offspring exist, other than the biology of it, which right. has nothing to do with that. Mm -mm. My wife came home uh, with the kids; they had gotten fitted, and all kids, you know, a lot of them, you know, some of them were pushing thirty years old at the time. I, through that revelation and humility, uh, by the grace of God sprung back becoming a leader provider and a protector in a way that would please God and brought them all to the dining room table. And I said, from this point forward, we're going to take on a spirit of gratitude that Francis mm -hmm. was ever in our lives. And we're going to guard each other. And when we're, if, if, and when we see darkness in our eyes, we're going to pick each other up, remind us, or remind each other that we have nothing to do with this. This is all a gift. And what happened from that mm -hmm. is, I don't know if the audience knows, but my son was killed by a drunk driver. He was a passenger in a car 
and the, the drunk driver passenger lived. He survived barely, and my son was killed on contact against a tree, an oak tree. And from the gratitude came forgiveness. And then it was my goodness, wow! Once the forgiveness came, then I saw, I saw, I saw the crucifix, I saw the resurrection, I saw that that tomb, mm. to, the the stone get rolled away from the tomb, and what happened? We then we we publicly forgave the driver in court when he was being sentenced, and the whole I didn't realize, but the whole community was watching all this time. God's community, you know, the body of Christ was watching the whole time, and when we publicly forgave. The whole community came together and became united, but they were divided before, though. You know, some are yelling, lynch him, lynch him, hang him up, crucify him, crucify him, the driver, you know. And others are saying, ah, oh, give him a break, he's a young guy. We didn't know because we mm. were living in our own, our own, you know, cluster of, you know, confusion and, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and grief. But mm -hmm. forgiveness is just so powerful and arguably the greatest virtue that we get from our Lord Jesus Christ is forgiveness. Right. Mm. So, yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about, Greg, you know, when you, when you said that, you know, you had prayed, you believed that will was going to be healed and you got it wrong. I don't know mm -hmm. if you ever um, finished it, but you said that you wanted to speak at his, his uh, memorial and that mm -hmm. one of the things maybe you wanted to address that, but you did speak at his memorial, right? Yeah. I, and what I really, I think I got up and I said, you know, um, a lot of us, maybe thousands of us were praying and believing will would be healed. And I was at the front of that line yeah. leading that kind of leading that charge. And so I really, I felt a responsibility, um, to kind of steward that that large group of people um, and 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 that loss and that confusion really uh, because again I I I could point to verses in my Bible and I could point to you know certain things that happened and I it all added up in my you know I'll try to share this quickly one of the things that um, Back in, I think it was 2016, 2017, you know, I talked about that dream where I cried out, Abba. I had another dream. And in the dream, I was saying, Lord, you're good, you're faithful, and you're generous. You're, I kept saying it. And as I woke up, it was still in my mind. You're good, you're faithful, and you're generous. And I had struggled with those things. When things didn't go well, he wasn't good to me. He wasn't faithful. He didn't come through and it really mattered. He wasn't very generous to me, maybe to other people. <laughs> and I had that dream and almost, not every day, but this has been six, seven years, almost every day I talk about or pray or write in my journal, he's good, he's faithful, he's generous. About a year later, I started, every time I would look at the clock, it was like 11-11. Or I would be flipping through the channels, there'd be a basketball game, the score would be 11-11. I would hear somebody say, okay, that'll be $11.11. Or I'd see a check written for $11.11. I couldn't get away from it. So I finally went to the Bible, and I looked at all the chapter 11s, verse 11s. There were three that stood out to me. In Luke 11-11, it says something like, you know, which of you fathers, if your son, you know, asks for, you know, what an egg will give him a scorpion or whatever the verse right. says. Well, no good father would do that. Hebrews 11, 11 
it says that Sarah was enabled to conceive because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And Deuteronomy 11.11 talks about God giving the promised land to the Israelites as a gift. And that's a generous father. So God, a year later, was hammering back into me, I'm good, I'm faithful, and I'm generous. And so 11.11 for me, and in fact, I've been seeing it a lot again lately, it's significant to me, 11-11, 11-11. Billy, are you Will, seeing 11-11? Well, you I'm see the look 11, on my 11. face, right? I'm, I'm, my mind is blown. I'm seeing 11-11 all the time. No, yeah. you see you see the look on my face. So yesterday, yeah. I went into the chiropractor's office, and he has the young lady there. It's a secretary. And she turned her arm. She had a couple tattoos. She turned, And on the inside of her arm right here, she had 11-11. Oh, wow. I've been seeing it forever. Colon 11. When you well, were saying that, it thing. blew my mind because I was like, I That's looked at that. I, That's interesting. So interesting. Bill. Well, and yeah, I looked and at that. Will, I looked at the eleven eleven, and I said, "That's probably a Bible verse." I'm going to have to ask yeah. her about that. I never <laughs> even thought about a Bible verse. I was just thinking, I'm going to die like on eleven eleven. I've been <laughs> well, seeing it forever. So Luke, Hebrews, and Deuteronomy; wow. those were the three. Well, Will was med flighted on eleven eleven. Wow. Twenty twenty one. Uh-huh. And I and I looked at that, and and that was one of, that was probably the very first of many different instances where I just thought, Lord, on this day, eleven eleven, surely you're not, you're you're in and in, in a sense you're not going to ruin this day for me, you know, <laughs> this date that means so much to me. Yeah. Um, but you know what? What in hindsight, what he was saying was. I'm good and I'm faithful and I'm generous. You don't have to understand everything, but you do have to trust me. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting just talking about, you know, the, the Christmas book I wrote. Robin and I had gone down, I think, the, the next day after Will was med flighted. So, November 12, 2021. We were driving back home a few days later and, uh, and, and I was just kind of processing with Robin, just, you know, I don't, because we were in a year where we were kind of believing the Lord for something. And, and I just, I don't see how this is going to turn out. What, you know, I don't, I don't see how this ends. Um, and I, I just, it, it was kind of confusing to me what, what God was up to and what was happening. And, um, and I said, you know, if this, if, if what's happening with Will is a story I just, I don't see how it ends. I don't, I don't. And so um, a few days later, I was uh, working in my friend's medical clinic and uh, these two guys walked in the door and they were selling wood crosses that they had made for a fundraiser. And on one of the crosses, it, uh, it said uh, hope and joy. And so I said, Hey, I'll take that one. For my grandson, I, I kind of briefly explained what was going on at that point. You know, he'd only been sick for, you know, a few days. And um, it was, so I, I went home soon after that and I had it sitting in the passenger seat and I looked over at it and I thought, hope and joy. I know how that story turns out. I've written that story. Yeah. That was the subtitle of my book. Yeah. And again, that was one of those moments where I felt like the Lord was saying, I'm not writing a story of death and despair. I'm writing a story of hope and joy. 
So again, I was taking all these things to mean Will was going to be healed. Of course, that's not what it all meant. But it doesn't change the fact that it is a story of hope and joy because, you know, after Will died, I think Robin, my wife, was the first one to have a dream about him. And it really wasn't even a dream. I think in her sleep, she had a vision of him playing, I think, and running and laughing in heaven. And over the next maybe four or five days leading up to his memorial service, I want to say six or seven people had very similar, almost identical dreams or visions. It's Will in heaven laughing and playing and running. And um, that, that was all very encouraging to us. But, you know, things that I, um, I mean, I, I thought the Lord was saying one thing and, and, and he was in a sense. I, but like Bill, like you said, Will was ultimately healed. And, uh, yeah. you know, we'll see him again. And yeah. really between now and then, I want to, uh, I mean, I just want to be faithful. I, I want more of the Lord at any cost. And I want to honor Will's very short life. Uh, you know, I don't want to waste that pain. I don't want to waste that death. Um, I mean, what I just, is Will's, oh, sorry. What is Will's but, earthly birthday? Uh, April 12th. 2020 2020 yeah april 12 2020 his oh. older brother uh was born april 7th uh 2015 so so you've already you know, been past his first birthday right yeah yeah um this is the first you know christmas without him and, and the anniversary of his death is just a couple months away now but um you know i i want to yeah i just want to like i said earlier when, when, especially earlier in this year, in the summer, even when I was feeling just that profound sadness, when I would think about him or watch a video, it, it pressed me to the Lord. It, it just, it, it invited greater surrender, almost a, a craving, a hunger, like, Lord, I have to have more of you. I have to be involved in your kingdom business. I, I, I can't not be. And, um, you know, how much time do we have left? You know, 20 years, 10 years, yeah, five I years. I, yeah. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> right. that's it. That once, once it's over, it's, and here's the thing. I only let's, let's say, let's say I get 20 more years. Um, I, I only get 20 more years to believe God. I only get 20 more years to exercise faith. And Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So in other words, God gets pleasure from my trust. And I only get 20 more years to do it because in eternity, there is no faith. It's all seeing. And how much do we get to delight his heart now by just saying, Lord, I believe you. I trust you. I don't understand. Uh, This is hard. But I'm all yours. I'm all in. Do anything you want with me. I have to have more of you. And um, yeah, just we only get just a little bit more time to exercise faith, to trust him. Not what I see, not what I feel, not what I'm hearing, but to believe him and and delight his heart. I think it, it really does. It gives him pleasure. 
Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think God thinks we're cute. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Let's not forget how much, how extremely relatable our life is with God's life. I mean, right. we yep. share, we share in the loss of a son. Yep. You know, no yes. one knows us or, and, and no one is drawn more deeply into heart of God, the father in heaven who gave us his only begotten son. Yep. And, you know, willingly with a capital W made that happen. And here we are three disciples. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about the inclusivity of, God, you know, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Man and the Son of God, what a beautiful yep. invitation to I'm, I am the, you know, the truth, the way, and the life. Only through me will we get to the Father. And here we are three men that have lost our Son. And God, mm -hmm. the Father in heaven, descended to the cross, descended to the crucifix himself in the middle of a, a great deal of slop. And mm. did the very thing that we're grieving over. So there's an immense beauty in yeah. that. In yeah. this, you know, there's an immense yeah. beauty and there's a there's a, an, an immense commissioning that we're called mm -hmm. three men as as fathers having lost sons. Yep. You yeah. know, that there, there's there's such a, a spiritual excitement to it that we need to yeah. hold ourselves to. And uh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I you know, the thing about it is that. The 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 hope that Paul says that he did not want us to to mourn. He didn't say don't mourn. He said I don't want you to mourn without hope. So mm -hmm. mourning is the expression of the pain, the sorrow, but the hope that God gives us that 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 is so real. Like the gospel came so much more alive, meaning what the gospel actually means: good news. And there's Led joy in that. There's, there's no, joy in that. We're unhappy, but there's joy. Joy there's is joy. Happiness, I mean, what better time. news when you yeah. go through that? It, what better news is it Amen. that Will is running and playing and you're going right. to want to play with him one day? That Francis is, is experiencing things that will blow yeah. our mind and then we'll, we'll see it one day. And yeah. that maybe Will, Liam, and Francis, because we're all hanging out right now. Talking yep. about them, they might be. Hey, look at my grandpa. Look at, yeah. look at my dad. Look at my right. you know, look at my dad's friends. Look, they're all talking about us. You know, we don't know. Like, there's no the possibilities of eternity. If we start meditating, that are endless. Yeah, endless. You know, because Hugh Ross, the whole telescope, and I get so excited when I talk about it because there's no better news than that reunion. When when you're yeah. suffering, you, there's so much pain yeah. and suffering yeah. that what better news could there be that we're gonna be reunited? Yeah, it's a good, it creates the, a wonderful anticipation. The exactly. hub telescope, the hub telescope back in '93 said, "Wait a minute, we pinpointed it." Hugh Ross writes in his book, "The Creation of the Cosmos." We pinpointed where it all started, and it's continuing to expand. The universe is still expanding. Mm. So think about Jesus saying, you know, I go there to prepare a place for you. It's still like, who knows what the next dimension and what's out there and what we're going to explore, what we're going to see. It's, yeah. There's no, like to me, when I start talking about it, I get that joy really does kick in. And it's not, I don't do this all day because there's times when I'm down in the dumps. Sure. But when I when I think and start meditating on the glories of eternity, and I came to the place one time, I said, "Lord, 
all I got to do is cross that finish line and fall into your arms mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I'll be okay. I know that. And, you know, my dad, I still have the message. My dad left a message and I played it at his memorial where he talks about, he left a message after Liam died. He said, you know, we, we all run in that race. He goes, and I'm running that race. He goes, and I'm turning the corner because <laughs> I see the finish line. Yeah. And my mm. dad's look, I see, oh, that might be Peter over there. There's mm. Paul. Oh, mm. look at that. Liam's head just popped up. They're cheering me on. They're cheering me on. They're cheering me wow. on. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, when I talked with my dad, and you, you mentioned it before, he said, son, when he was ready, my dad knew, and he said, you know, this, he goes, you're going to have to help your brother and sister. He said, this, he said, this, this is going to be a piece of cake for you, me leaving. <laughs> he goes, because mm -hmm. I'm going home. He goes, this, and I, I mean, I miss my dad. I cried, but it, it really was so much easier than what, what we went through with Liam. But, you know, if we can just keep that too, Greg, like keep that thought, like, man, we're going to be like, what did Paul say? Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, you know, mm -hmm. when I prepared. I was in the gym lifting weights. That's the only thing I could do. Like I could still work out on autopilot. I would be bawling into my arm. I'd be crying. But I, I, they said, go to the gym, do this, do that, eat, get sleep. You know, I was in terrible anxiety. And this thought came to me. And then at first I dismissed it. Oh, it's too good to be true. That Jesus said to me, you have no idea what I have in store for you and Liam. Mm. And like, I was like, whoa. Yeah. And I kind of fell forward. And then I, I dismissed it. Oh, that, that's too good. No, yeah. that was the Lord speaking to me because it lines up with scripture. Mm -hmm. My yeah. pastor reminded me later. He goes, Bill, Paul already said that. He goes, the Lord's saying that to you. So who yeah. knows? Like what? Who? I don't know. I think you know, Greg, your son, your son-in-law is a Marine, right? Liam mm -hmm. read like a fiend and he was a history. Maybe he's meeting all the people he read about. Maybe he's meeting Chesty Fuller and, oh, yeah, sure. and yeah. George Washington. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, they're all in the present. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing. I used to, you know, I don't, earlier in, I guess, my Christian life, I would think, why do I, why am I not excited about heaven? I mean, what, what, what is it? And I had this idea that we were going to just float around as spirits. And that just <laughs> yeah. didn't sound like very much fun to me. Yeah. And, and I thought, you know, a really good day on earth sounds a lot better. And then I, you know, as I kind of studied it and read some stuff and realized, wait a minute, think about it. If there had been no sin, if Adam and Eve had never fallen, what were they doing? They were living on earth. God was with them. There was no sin. There was no death. There was no pain. There was no suffering. And God's commandment was to be fruitful, increase, fill the earth, subdue it or manage it. That's what we would have been doing. Well, just because that plan got interrupted, it's not like God threw up his hands and said, well, I guess I'll just have them float around to spirits forever because I can't do the planet yeah. earth thing now. No, yeah. he, he makes the whole thing new. He redeems yeah. it all. And yeah. John even says in Revelation, I saw heaven coming down to earth. So yeah. this is just, I could be wrong. And, and a million years from now, you get, well, we can talk about it. But <laughs> I, I tend to think New Jerusalem is somewhere right now. I, it, unseen, I don't know where it is, but I think that's where Christians who have passed, they're in New Jerusalem. 
It's going to be relocated to earth. And I think heaven will be far better than we can imagine, but I don't think it's going to be unfamiliar because it's going to be on earth. Right. This is where we were meant to live. And, you know, when I hear somebody say, well, you know, it's not about this life. It's about the next life. Mm -mm. I'm like, well, but why yeah. then do my five senses tell me I'm wired for this life? Right. Like my five cents, I mean, a cinnamon roll? Is there anything that smells <laughs> better than a freshly baked cinnamon roll? Yeah. Or, you know, your Pepper's favorite none. food or, the, or a sunset <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, my five senses tell me I'm wired for pleasure in this realm. And God's not given up on that. I think right. heaven will be, who knows, how many ever, I don't know how many taste buds we have, but what if we're supposed to have a thousand times more taste buds? Everything will taste better, smell better, look better, feel better. And it will be on earth. And, you know, again, New Jerusalem's a city. We'll, we'll be living in a city with each other. What do you do in a city? You play, you work. Yeah. You, and that's where we're going to get to live with your sons, my grandson, forever. And this, this isn't the end. Fortunately, God, God redeems it all. And, uh, and I mean, what good news that this is not the end. It wasn't the end for your sons. It wasn't the end for my grandson. It won't be the end for us. Uh, it'll be a glorious graduation into what we were always meant for, to be living on earth in new bodies that I think will still look like this, but with God, with no pain and suffering and death. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful, Greg. And I, I, I kind of agree that it's... It, we were made to be physical creatures in physical bodies. Right. The book of Acts, the, the apostles, they, they emphasized bodily resurrection when mm -hmm. they went and preached the good news, the resurrection. So, you know, I don't know how it all works. Like my brother's really studies a lot of different things. And, you know, I was reading a book, the, the book Imagine Heaven by John Burke. He lines up all the near-death experiences that people have had with the scriptures and he said he said that people that didn't were not raised in christian homes saw jesus they described it as the, the wonderful man of light or this tremendous mm -hmm. light. but the the people that dr mary neal's story was the most compelling to me but they talk about water parks like even like the descriptions of heaven parks you know fields um cities yeah. like dead cities where yeah it's gonna be i mean i have we i have no idea and it seems but peter height he wrote he wrote a couple books um i have it up here the story of time um the story of time what is it called the story of time and the genesis of you and the resurrection anyway he said he said, you know how the, to the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years a day? He mm -hmm. goes, pick one of your best days here on earth, one of right. your best moments. He said, and think about that last in a thousand years. He goes, I think of one of my first dates with my wife where we went and we took the Jeep up to the beach and we cooked out and we sat there and she was rocking her bathing suit. And he said, yep. Oh, yeah. And he said, 
that kind of date and that kind of moment where the intimacy and the love is so close. I'm looking at her and saying, I want to marry this woman. He yeah. said that kind of day lasting a thousand years. I mean, the possibilities really of what it's going to be like are, yeah. are endless. So oh, I'm going imagine. to play, play Montclair my junior year and beat them 20 nothing for a thousand years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a long game. Hey, yes. Have you got, have you guys read um, Randy Alcorn's book? Yes. Evan? Heaven, yeah. So I love that he, I think the whole second half of the book is him just kind of supposing what it could be like and answering right. questions and things like, Dan, you just said, will there be sports? I mean, will there be winning and losing? I mean, maybe, could, could, what would it have been like if there, again, if there had been no sin, we would, we would get, now again, I, I know there's not marriage necessarily in heaven, although we're married to, to the lamb. But, um, you know, you, you eat, like, I've wondered, you know, in heaven, are we gonna, are, will there be restaurants and coffee shops? <laughs> I tend to think there will be. And, and then I go a step further and I say, okay, well, in this realm, God does things through a process. He does things through people. So I'm sitting in a chair right now, and you guys are too, that somebody had to make. Well, in New Jerusalem, is all the furniture already made, or do people have to make the furniture? Well, yeah. someone's heaven is making furniture, and someone's heaven is serving people really nice coffee. So I think, you know, it's still going to be there, but it's going to be glorified. It's going to be real, right? And I also right. go back to your yep. point earlier. The Garden of Eden was called paradise, and heaven is called paradise. So I think you brought a very right. valid point about the realities of living a human life for eternity, but having been glorified, you know, right. I, I, yeah. It's wonderful, yeah. wonderful light. I, I yeah. 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 Randy, Randy Alcorn, the book, it's, it's his is very academic, right? The first half of it. And I yeah. kind of skipped that part. I think the first yeah. half of the book is him just kind of tracing or maybe our Western culture view of heaven and the yeah. fact that I think it kind of arises from this idea that the body, the material is bad and that's where that idea of just floating around as spirits come from, because the spirit's good, yeah. the, the the material's bad. No, yeah. God's God's going to redeem all of that, and yeah. um, I, you know, it, it makes me excited. Yeah, because yeah. the people. No, I, I agree. I agree. I, I I play, to, I've heard so I many golf to, jokes. I want to play golf with Peter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Why? Why you might be hitting, But you might be hitting it from like the new earth you might have to land on saturn or something you know yeah, i only play with a four iron that's the only club I use. you know and the thing was the thing too when they you know i was thinking about coach wolf and my dad and you know people saying you know they say well maybe your dad's coaching in heaven or coach wolf i said well you know what they're athletes at heart maybe they're playing something maybe they're playing yeah, football exactly. maybe they're yeah, yeah. you know well, and then the other two like, the other thing that was really cool was we were I, I went and um I was up in New Jersey and I went to my my friend, good brother, he planted two churches, college churches, ministry on college campuses. And I went to my alma mater and 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 was preaching and it snowed. And Grace was up there, and you know, I'm from Florida. I'm I love the warm weather. So I was walking out. And I said, you know, snow's beautiful. I said, but this cold weather, and I said, don't you think it's a result of the fall? He said, no. He goes, I think our body's reaction 
to it as a result of the mm. fall. Because I mm. think in, in the new heavens and the new earth, there's going to be snow somewhere and it's not going to bother us, you know? Mm. He says, yeah. it's, you know, there's that beautiful part of it, you know? And then I said, nah, you know, winter signifies death and there's no death. It's going to be warm all the time. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I tend to think that there's going to be, I don't know, maybe more continuity between this life and the next one than we think. I think like, so. Like, I'm, I don't think my memories are going to be erased. I think we're going to be able to sit down someday in a New Jerusalem coffee shop and, and talk about this very podcast. And, hey, we got about 60% of it right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, you said it, Dan, or somebody said it before. So we have a date now, a million years from now. Right. We're going to sit down and we're going to talk about what we got right in the podcast. Right. Yeah. So that's a big deal, right, Dan? A million years? Yeah. Dude, you guys are going to have to wait for me, though, because I'll be in purgatory for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, like, like Dan, I think about you. Obviously, you have a leadership gift. <clears throat> Will that gift, like, expire? Or are you going to be able to use that in in New Jerusalem for forever? Whether it's teach, like, I don't think I'm going to suddenly know everything in heaven. I think it probably would be helpful to... I mean, there might be somebody who still loves astronomy and I'm going to be able to go and take a class and learn more about the stars. I might even be able to visit some of them. I think but, we'll still be serving Earth, though, too, Greg. I think. Right. We'll be, exactly. We'll be here to serve Earth and I agree. Know, bring, more, bring more saints to heaven through yeah. prayer and answering prayer, you know, through the communion of saints, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just. About, yeah. Go ahead, Greg. Oh, yeah. No, go ahead. Um, so, yeah. So they're they're. There, I mean, where there's like when we like when we pass, there's like Randy Elkhorn talked about this too. There is the culmination of all things where time right. will be no more. And but I believe that, like you said, I that's a good interpretation that the new like there's a place that's already made that Jesus prepared and all that have gone there now. Yeah, I don't know if they're aware. My you know, my pastor always says, no, you're in there. They're experiencing you with them there now. So I don't get all that. But, you know, there is a, there is going to be a culmination of all things where, you know, sin and death are no more. And everybody's, you know, everybody's at with the Lord forever. So that's that's the exciting part, too. But I wonder I, I wonder, um, like Dan just said, I used to think there was no connection between them and us, you know, mm -hmm. that now they're off and they're just waiting for us. But I, I don't think that anymore. I think somehow they see, somehow they interact, somehow they're with us closer than we think, you know? I mean, is, is that the surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses? You yeah. Know, is there, is there that? Um, yeah. You know, I, it's interesting when you look at the first two chapters of the Bible and you look at the last two chapters and you see the similarities, yeah. you know, again, um, you know, the, the tree of life, um, God living on earth with people. Um, I mean, the tree of life, I, I could be wrong about this. I think we will have to drink from the river of the water of life and eat from the tree of life to stay alive. I think that's why they're called that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and of course, we'll want to, you know, it yeah. won't be like, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to fast and refuse to eat. I'm going <laughs> to die. No, it doesn't happen. Yeah. But 
I don't know. I could be wrong, but um, and somewhere it's somewhere in Revelation, it talks about the tree of life, how it has like a new crop of fruit every month. Uh-huh. So I think we'll be somewhat aware of the passage of time. If nothing else, I'm going to look at the tree of life and go, oh, there's a new crop of fruit. Yeah. There's another month that went by. Now, yeah. You know, again, I could be wrong on that. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's fun to think about some of that stuff yeah. and to think that Liam Francis and, and Will, they know so much more than we do right now. Even Will is a, you know, two, three-year-old. Um, he, he understands far more than I do now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That instant knowing. Well, we could talk forever on this and we'll probably have to come back together again. Yeah. But, um, I'd love that. You know, um, you know, I love both you guys and, and, and Greg, I'm glad we reconnected and, yeah, you know, man. Dan and I have been talking a lot and in touch. And I, I think, um, I think that, you know, we'll, we'll plan a date to come back on and just talk some yeah. more. You know, I'd, I'd love that. that. That would be great. Yep. Because uh, I, it energizes me. There's that Bob Dylan line where he says, you talk about salvation and everyone gets tired. You know, <laughs> not me, man. I get, I was dragging from a long school day, but I'm, I'm energized now just talking yeah, this inspiring. to you guys. And, yeah. and you know, and, well, uh, you know, and the thing is, I, um, I mean, I, we, we all three, we love football. Um, and I, and I could talk about football to a point, uh, like I said earlier, we live, uh, when I walk out my front door, I'm, you know, 20 steps across the street, I'm on the university of Arkansas campus. If I turn South and do go two blocks, I'm at Razorback stadium. And so it's an exciting place to live. And I love football and I love all that but I don't want to talk about it all day. This yeah. is life. What we just talked about. Yeah. 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 Any closing thoughts, Dan Duddy? Uh, no, I'd just like to uh, say thanks so much really for uh, being in this conversation. I truly do hope we can do this again. I think this yeah, is great me too. Here, and maybe we can fine tune a, a subject and uh, dig into it. The three of us, I, I enjoyed the chemistry here. I, I'm alive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, we should make a podcast Amen. for us three called Can Any Good Thing Come Out of Bricktown? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah. Nothing good can come from Nazareth, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. do it. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Billy, send me Greg's phone number, okay? Text it okay. to me. And, all right. And, yeah, uh, yeah you guys, yeah, we'll, we'll all stay in touch. And, you know, when the new year comes, I'll, I'll get in touch with you guys and we'll come back. And, you know, That'd Dan, awesome. you can talk a little bit about what you're doing with your ministry and Greg could talk about his marriage stuff. And um, for those listening, I'm going to put Greg's um, information, his book. I'm going to the Lakeside Conspiracy next, but I read, um, I just finished reading um, the Christmas Eve promise um, story of hope and joy. And I'm going to put that in the show notes. Um, I sent a copy to my mom today because she loves stories like that. And um, so all those things, but we will, we will talk more. And um for those listening, Dan Duddy there, I think his podcast was number nine. You can just go back and look. Um, um, Dan and I had a podcast and I had Greg and I said, you know what? I thought it'd be really cool if I bring Dan on because I know that he That's was awesome. Greg's so cool. coach and we all yeah. 
we all grew up and we're influenced by a lot of the same men as well. Yes, you know? absolutely. Exactly. Coach Wolf and yeah. the Hanchins and all those, those people. Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, so blessed. My, my uh, door is always open. If you guys want to get out of the cold, just pick up the phone. We have three daughters out of the house now, so we have room. So if it ever gets too cold, just give a shout, but all right. um, we'll talk again soon and we'll get together guys. I'm That'd be great. Thank you again for listening. As I said, um, the information for Greg's book, A Christmas Eve Promise, is in the show notes. Today's podcast was sponsored by TJB Web Media. Um, all of their information is in the show notes as well. And please pray for Brother Dave Butler, who sponsors our show through TJB Web Media. He's going through some health issues now, so pray for our dear friend Dave Butler. If you have any questions or you want to get in touch with the program, um, my phone number and email is in the podcast notes. God bless you, saints. Remember that his power is made perfect in weakness and nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen.